Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello. Welcome back, archivists. Hello. Welcome back. I tried not and, to yell. And welcome back to you, Hannah. Huh? You've been away for a while. I guess. <laughs> a couple weeks is a while for me. Oh, now it's now it's I'm gone too long. <laughs> Jeez Louise, I can't keep up. Okay, so I'm just gonna jump into it today. Today we are talking about Nancy Benelak. Nancy was born June thirteenth, nineteen forty-two, in San Bernardino County, California. In nineteen seventy, which is when this story takes place. Nancy was 28 years old and engaged and had plans to get married in November of that year to Chief Public Defender Ferris Salmi. So, he was a public defender. All right. The defense. What? Lawyer for the defense. The defense. After high school, Nancy went to beauty school and worked at the Beauty Corral for a few years and then traveled to Hawaii and worked there as a hairstylist for a while before coming back to California. She was pretty close to her sister and her sister's husband, Linda and Tom Cox. Tom says, um, and this is, I'm taking a direct quote from an article that he, an interview that he gave. He says, the three of us did a lot of things together. Everybody liked Nancy. She was my TV buddy. We'd watch Perry Mason together. Nancy was a lot of fun. She was very into reading. She liked to play tennis. She and I would play tennis and she would beat me terribly. She'd... Let me hit one back every once in a while. That was a quote from Mm. her brother-in-law. That's nice. Nancy lived with Linda for a while when she was in school for court reporting. So now we have a whole career change, career shift. At the time of her death, she was working as a Sacramento County court reporter. So Okay. Did the husband have anything nice to say about her? I don't think he was... I didn't see anything oh, about okay. him being interviewed. Oh, okay. Oh, no. I just... Uh, no, I think her husband actually passed away. Her husband... or Her fiancé, I'm sorry. He's They didn't get married. They oh, okay. were engaged. Oh. Uh, yeah, he, he passed away a while ago. But you said the brother-in-law. Yeah, her sister's her sister, husband. Her husband. Her sister's husband. He said a lot of nice things about her. Okay. Yeah, it's, it seemed they were... The three of them were very close. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. So, October 26, 1970, Linda Cox, which is Nancy's sister, gets a call from the county courthouse telling her that Nancy hadn't shown up for work. Now, everyone in the show that I watched about Nancy made a very big deal about this because court reporters in general are never, like, they can't be late, right? Mm-hmm. They have to show up for court. So, that's their job. They're yeah. sitting in the courtroom, and there's people waiting on them, judges, the jury, all of these people so usually court reporters are never late. It's not a thing. Mm-hmm. So they ask Linda if Nancy's sick or if Nancy had reached out to her. They're basically calling to just be like, "We Nancy's mm-hmm. not here. Is she okay? What's going on? Nancy calls Jack Moncrief, who happens to be a family friend and who happens to live in the apartment right above Nancy's. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah that's so good. a good lead. 
Yeah. And so he goes, obviously, you know, if Nancy's not, or not Nancy, Linda isn't able to like immediately go over to the apartment complex. That's nice that she can have someone who might be home at the time. So he goes and looks at the window. He sees that Nancy's car is in fact still at the apartment. So he's like, Hey, um, I'm going to go downstairs and I'll knock on the door and see what's going on. See if she's there. So that's exactly what he does. And when she does not answer the knock at the door, he goes and gets the manager at the apartment complex manager because now at this point he is concerned. And the manager is able to unlock the apartment and Jack goes in and he is the one that finds Nancy deceased on her bedroom floor. So from there... They call uh, the police department, obviously. Sergeant Stephen Wright from the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office is one of the uh, original police officers, investigators on scene. He says that in all of his time doing this, this was the most brutal homicide that he's ever seen. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about that then, huh? Yeah. When Jack was interviewed, the friend who found her, he said... You know, the interviewer asked him if it was apparent to him that she was dead. And he said, oh, yeah, uh, there was no question about it that she had been murdered was how bad the scene was. So they were able to, like, immediately tell Mm -hmm. that she had been murdered. Okay, so we have quite a bit of evidence. Okay. The crime scene and evidence, all of that kind of, like, was together. Uh Uh-huh. That's where you get evidence from. Okay, smart ass. <laughs> I meant... Uh, I couldn't resist. Anyway. <laughs> it's been a while. Okay, so one of the things that was noted, okay, not necessarily evidence, but just something about the crime scene, thank you very much, mm-hmm. is that Nancy's purse was left untouched on the chair next to the counter in the kitchen. Okay, so everything that we're talking about here, evidence, crime scene, is all in her bedroom. Everything else in the apartment is left completely untouched. Oh, you know where I'm going. What? Well, it wasn't a robbery. That's not like there's no signs of of break-in. And then somebody knew her. Someone was in there and knew her because they ended up in the bedroom and the purse was untouched. There are pieces of blood-stained masking tape that are like curled in circles like very obviously taped around a person's fingertip essentially so it looks like it had been wrapped around the suspect's fingertip they were so like drenched in blood on like the balcony and in the house they had like fallen off of the person as he was like oh leaving right so they're never able to get fingerprints off of this because of how like just how drenched in blood they were because they had just fallen off but yeah, he it was very apparent that he had duct taped his fingertips. Masking tape or duct tape? Masking tape. Sorry, masking. So tape. oh, so now this changes thing for me. So he 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 was calculated and trying mm-hmm. to leave fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Oh, so maybe it wasn't personal. Maybe it wasn't somebody that knew him then. Okay. You newer, were right about newer. the no forced entry. Mm-hmm. Uh, no weapon is ever found. Now, the sliding, the balcony, the sliding door was left ajar, like left open, which we later found out, uh, or law enforcement later found out, was because Nancy left it open for her cat to be able to get in and out. And that is how the suspect was able to gain entry to her house. But another thing to note is that her apartment was on the second floor, about 13 feet high up. So whoever this was climbed up Mm -hmm. somehow Mm -hmm. and was able to get in that way. 
there are shoe prints and a blood trail leading away from her balcony. So they're able to get the shoe prints. Uh, they say it was like like a casual boating shoe around size like eight and a half more than likely. And the blood, the the trail of blood. So police believe that he injured himself, whoever it was, mm-hmm. injured himself. And there's a trail leading around the corner that ends like right at the parking lot to that complex. So law enforcement's assumption is that he walked away and got in his car and left. Oh, they're going to probably test all this blood then. Yes. At the time in 1970, though, don't forget, this is 1970. Yeah. All they can get is a, a, uh, the type blood the type. blood type. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Neighbors. There are a couple neighbors uh, that report hearing things, seeing things suspicious. One neighbor reported what she thought was a muffled scream, but she didn't report it. And then another neighbor heard a vehicle pulling away from the parking lot in the middle of the night that night. Now, there is semen that is found, but there's no other sign of sexual assault. And they mm-hmm. didn't say where it was found. Okay. So I don't think it would, that was like super important in their investigation. But there's no other sign of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. The autopsy reveals that the cause of death is multiple stab wounds. That's literally just what it said. Mm-hmm. Multiple stab wounds. I'd never seen one say that before. Multiple stab wounds, yeah. Okay. She was stabbed over 30 times. I was going to say, usually they know how many specifically because I'll count them. Over ta- over 30 times, mostly to the front of her body. Um, and then it okay, looked like is, she had been yeah. rolled over and she was almost decapitated. So this is like... This is awful. Personal crime of passion. It's not like really, really intense. The pathologist thinks the type of knife is a dagger at least three to four inches long. This knife is never found again. Mm-hmm. A dagger? So, like, mm-hmm. both blade on both sides, like, sharpened on both sides? Is that what a dagger is? I, she just said dagger, yeah. Yeah, usually they, they, they when they describe the knife, they describe it by, you know, a blade on one side, blade on two, two sides. They describe it a little bit different than a dagger. Well, that mm-hmm. was 1970. So, yeah, it would be described differently nowadays. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Nancy had defensive wounds on both hands and a large gash on one leg. So it was clear that she was fighting back. Mm-hmm. The autopsy also says apparent non-motive type slaying. So they're not, again, able to y- say, like, y- yeah, um, there was no sexual assault, really. Right, right. So they're doing the best they robbery. can in 1970, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking, oh, this is, good. this is a good point. So I'm thinking, at first I'm thinking, oh, somebody somebody knows her because the purse is in the other room and all this has happened in into the bedroom. But what it now might sound like is somebody was snuck in, whether they just picked her or or, or was just checking windows. Uh, the, the second floor, they probably knew that, that they had that opportunity and they went in and they, this was like either personal, sometimes when it's personal, you just overkill like that, I think. Yeah. Or it's just they're in a rampage he fought back so he had to just continue stabbing and stabbing you know because she was fighting back probably she put up a fight that's probably why ah the semen because he was probably getting ready to rape her Mm -hmm. and she woke up and then he had to fighting and then he had to fight her and and you know go crazy and kill her like that probably that's uh, something like that i'm guessing now 
Yeah. I mean, law enforcement at the time think the same thing. They think that it is personal and it's someone who knew her. Oh, they do. They think especially also that it's someone who has been like paying attention to her comings and goings. Yeah, I'm feeling like that has to be. There's another apartment Uh, complex across the street. As I talked out loud about it, to the second floor, to know that Mm -hmm. that is open, you wouldn't, it's not like you walk, just walk by all the first floors and just tug on each one until you find one that's uh, that's open. Yeah. That's not the case. So, like, the person had to have climbed up. Like, it was. Yeah, right. Oh, they, maybe story. they they knew her from like being in the clubhouse or out for a walk or something, mm-hmm. and maybe she shared that information. Yeah, which like don't do that, please don't do that. Yeah, it's a none of your business, people. What you do? Okay, so within the first month of the investigation, five hundred people were interviewed between wow. the apartment complex, the one across the street, people she worked with, family. Wow, five hundred yeah. is a lot. Five hundred, yes. And among those people interviewed, we're going to talk about two right now. Okay. Her dad. Now, apparently, her and her dad did not have a very good relationship. He was apparently abusive to their mom. Now, in everything that I read in the show, Linda, her sister, and her husband, Tom, so Nancy's sister and Mm brother-in-law, they don't comment or talk about the dad situation. So I was I was interesting to me because I was like, well, if he is like super abusive and like they don't have this very good relationship, I just thought it was interesting that her sister and brother-in-law didn't comment about the dad like being abusive to the mom at all. Yeah, I mean that would might account too for the just the obsessive like stabbing or whatever. Right, and so she had apparently also told some of her friends that she was afraid of him and that if anything happened to her, for them to look huh. to him. Yeah. Okay. She what, also didn't want him at the that, wedding. Living like that, can you imagine that? Yeah, just living—that's terrible. That's terrifying. Yeah. She also didn't want him at her wedding, which again I mentioned was like going to be the next month, next in November. Mm-hmm. So you know, law enforcement are also thinking: Is he like upset about that? He also at this time has a big wound on his hand, ha. which remember I mentioned police believe that the whoever the the killer is was injured just from how severe her murder was but then also the trail of blood did they get to the dad because of what the friend said or because they just would get in background about her and they went to the dad they were they were just interviewing the people closest to her but then they also in interviewing all of her friends they also got that information yeah it was you know happening at the same time Mm -hmm. he also was a lineman lineman so he worked on the the telephone poles. Telephone poles. So they regularly climb up those things, and they're regularly, they're pretty fit and strong. So to this, law enforcement kind of raised an eyebrow. They're like, you could have climbed up to her second story. Yeah, he's not you afraid of heights, that type of right. thing. Yeah, He probably would have known that the mm. sliding door might have been open, too. Of course, I he feel denies, like, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he could have well known that. He denies all involvement in her murder, of course. He obviously, you know, tells them, yeah, we don't have the greatest relationship, but there's no reason for her to ever be afraid of me. He takes a polygraph. He passes. And ultimately, he's ruled out there's no physical evidence connecting him to the crime scene. His blood type is not the same. I had a feeling so, you were going to tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I said we were going to talk about two people. Yeah. So. And then her, Nancy's fiance, is the next person they speak to, Ferris. The um, one that was talking great about her? No, that was the brother-in-law. Oh. That was the brother-in-law. Who, who's fiance? 
Oh, oh, fancies. oh, the fiance. Yeah, the oh, the defender, the public defender. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because you had said at the beginning that he passed away or something. Yeah, you were asking me about me. He's yeah, he's not alive and he, he, yeah, he did so, not live to see the end of this. Okay, so I totally ruled him out. All right, um, because what you said that he was just you a and long I. Like yeah, well, you well, never mind. You and I were talking in general. And I kind of ruled them out. But yes, of course, you got to remember, it's always, you always go there first. Totally wouldn't even think about that. All right. He died in 2014. Yeah, I I, I guess I wasn't relating that and to the storyline. And then I just ruled them out. So, okay. So, here, yeah, the dad and the, and the fiance. The fiance. So he tells them that he was at the apartment with Nancy until about 11.30 p.m. when On October 25th. This is, that's the night because mm-hmm. it was October 25th. Was 26th when she's found. And then he goes home at 11.30 p.m. when she's asleep. Mm-hmm. Now, he gives them details of what she was wearing, of the apartment, how it was. He tells them everything. And that matches to how she was found. Yeah. But uh, it's not really an alibi for him because he was with her till 1130 no, and then he just, goes home. They, the police really have to do some hard digging now and hard work because he, he admitted to being in there until mm-hmm. 1130. So now they got to figure out they have to try to it because that's a bummer. Like it would have been better if he lied for the police. But now they have to try to place him there after 1130 or something somehow. He's fully cooperative. Cooperative. Mm-hmm. Though he takes the polygraph, presi- provides them with his DNA, and he is and um, ruled out as a suspect. Jeez. The detective or the police officer in the episode that I watched says, like, you know, he was a grieving spouse. He was he he responded the way that they would have expected a fiance losing his fiance to to respond. Which you know I don't really like that because so they took DNA totally, for what in 1970 for for his blood type. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And blood type. Did they take the dad? Well, the dad didn't have to. It's the dad, right? They know. Well, no. The dad no, could I have said different. they did. The they da- they yeah. tested the blood um, type. Did, yeah. I'm yeah. being silly here. The dad could have different blood uh-huh. type. I'm thinking it's a bloodline, but no, that doesn't. That's something different. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, they te- yeah they tested it. Okay. They were very very diligent. Is that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. In this case, and testing the sounds DNA. like oh. it. They had it so much yeah. evidence. They had a lot yeah, of evidence. Yeah, it sounds like they. Right. So they had. Obviously, at some point, they figured out that there was two different types of blood, right? Mm-hmm. Because they had that dripping blood. You know, I mean, this is, this is great. The dad's got the cut in his hand or whatever. So, yeah, they they have a nice, they have nice and I would think evidence that all to of co- the, connect everybody to. Right. And I would think all of the blood that would be found on the balcony and leading out of the balcony would be mostly the killers. Unless the killer got, like some of her blood on him, but I would think that most of that would be the killers and they did have a quite a bit of it. Yeah. The masking tape thing is still throwing me off though. That's like showing intent mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know? Uh-huh. Okay. So after, I mean, if it was used for what you're saying, the cops thought it was used for. Yeah. All right. So after the police look at those two, um, there really is nowhere else other than a similar murder slash kidnapping that was going on at the same time that took place literally in the same area, like right across the street that law enforcement are now turning their attention to because they think maybe these two are connected. Ah, cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that sounds like what, what department is this again in San Bernardino? No, Sacramento County. Oh, Sacramento County. So yeah. sheriff, yeah. man, they 
these detectives are on it, man. Yeah. Well, typically the California police departments have been better trained. I'll get screwed for saying this for sure, but yeah, typically those those departments have been big and been better trained, more funded o- over the years. Anyways, this is 1970, but I think they, yeah, I think they were pretty big in those days. And they, because those cities out there, Sacramento. those cities out there were growing faster than anywhere, and and I, uh, so that doesn't surprise me. But it, it does sound like they were on it. Yeah, they probably had more resources too, right? You know, crime yeah. scene people and and such. Yeah. All right. So Judith Hawkery in nineteen March of nineteen seventy, she left work around eleven p.m. and her fiance was actually waiting for her at home at her apartment. Now. There's a lot of similarities between her murder and Nancy's murder, which is why they're going to look, and I'm going to kind of go through those right now. So, for one, she was same time frame, 11 p.m., apartment complex. She's also engaged. She never comes home. So, he goes out. He finds her car in the parking lot still. What did you say her job was? I, I didn't. Oh, okay. I'm just quickly. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, so, he reports her missing because he, to him... The things that are in the car, the car is unlocked. It's strange. He's worried. So police show up and they do notice to them the car kind of looks like there was a struggle inside of the car. There's buttons torn from her clothing, just thrown about. She clearly was taken as she was trying to get in and out of her car. Her body was found about 40 miles away from where she lived. She was semi-buried, not really completely buried. There's no leads in this case either. How they find her body? I. Someone found her. Okay. I I didn't go into depth into this because we're just talking about the similarities. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought. Okay, we're still just gonna focus on the first one. Yeah, we're okay. just talking about Nancy. Gotcha, I'm just gotcha, gotcha, I'm just telling gotcha. you quick quickly yeah. about the similarities and why police are looking okay. at uh, Judith's case. Sorry. It's okay. Now. Oh, a person. A person found her. I'm sorry. Leonard, I'm about to talk to talk about him, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't let me finish reading my paragraph. Sorry. Okay, so a young man by the name of Leonard is actually the one who found Judith's body. Now, he happened to be a neighbor to both of these women. Okay? Do you see why I'm asking? Okay. All right. Well, you didn't. You got to let me finish. He tells police he doesn't know Nancy or anything about her murder, but he has no alibi either for either of these nights. He's not a match to the blood found at Nancy's home, though. And Judith's case, current day 2023, is still unsolved. So, okay. he, yeah, he's not, as far as we know, involved in her murder either. All right. Now, the other thing is that from Nancy's apartment, you could look out from the balcony uh-huh. and, like, literally see the parking lot where Judith was kidnapped. So, that's, like, how close they were. Wow. Okay, yeah. so there's got to be a relationship to the apartment then. That's what they're. That's what. That's why I like that guy for a second. You know, that's why I'm asking, who found the body? You know, and yeah. So they did. Law enforcement do look at him quickly, but he's not a match for the the, right. the blood type that is found on Nancy's balcony. Um, I did find a Reddit thread. I was trying to look. I was looking up Judith's case to see if it was still unsolved and you know sometimes when you google things like articles don't always show up you have to go through but i literally could not find any more recent than 2018 saying that her case was still unsolved but i did find some reddit threads where people were like talking in high hopes about maybe 
the advancements in technology and DNA would be able to solve Judith's murder. So maybe yeah, that'll be one of the next. Are hoping that. Yeah, that would be awesome if if her murder could be solved next with genealogy. So over the years, the case has really gone cold with no other leads than those, right? Detective Mickey Links in 2004, she is from the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office. She's going to take over this case and they, you know, resubmit all of the DNA and the blood that they have. And they're able to get an actual DNA profile from the blood drops that were leading away from the apartment. Yeah, because we're still a little bit, we're still a ways out, um, actually like 16 years out from genealogy. 2004, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. But they got a DNA profile. So now they have a profile, which they obviously run and, you know, match, test up against every all the DNA profiles that they have, and then they run it through all the systems. Obviously nothing Yeah, which back. would be, as we've told our, our listeners before, that would be people that are already in jail. Yeah. And then in 2010, uh, Detective Lynx actually retires. Uh, and she had been on the case for six years. She retires. She does come back to volunteer to work on this case of because course, for her, it's this the one that haunted yeah. her. So, and in 2019, they hire a geneticist to take on the case because she had been. Ah. Okay. And this again, th- we're in Sacramento. Golden State Killer was in. This is all in California, yeah, so they're yeah. they're uh, among the point. first that's to be able point. to start using this. Yeah, well, they're more amenable to right. Ex, you know, experimenting and trying things out. And she said that in the the episode that I watched, she said like, yeah. you know, I had been working with all of these genetic genealogy before, before the Golden State Killer. Like, you know, it had been a thing, really, just starting to be a thing before uh-huh. he his conviction really, you know, took. Mm-hmm took everything by storm so she talked about that so they do in 2019 um hire a geneticist this took them three years you know how we're always talking about like how long, how long? Yeah. it takes to go yeah. through a family tree she said it took them three years and they they were worried because it, it just was that much that they had to go through three years yeah you know i think one time before we mentioned what we don't know is how many of these cases don't get solved by genetic genealogy right because there's just too much yeah. or there's like not I, enough I, I information feel, in the system. Yeah, I feel like the ones that they do get solved. I feel like it's pretty good science, but yeah, I'd like to know that information. Well, know? if you don't have anyone, like if you have a family who is very cautious mm. and doesn't want to upload their DNA like that mm. and it's generation, every single person in that family is like yeah. that then no one in that family has uploaded their DNA. So if someone in that family well, has also, committed a crime... But they could do the, the, the family tree lines or whatever, the, right? The familial? Isn't that what they do? Like they, they're just that's, backtracking? That's different. The familial... You still have to have DNA for that because that's something that is in... Like the FBI... Like they use that. That's already a thing that law enforcement yeah. is allowed to use. Yeah. But they run it... It's still like a machine that they have. So I think you mm-hmm. still have to have DNA for that. Mm-hmm. And that's like usually if they're already in the system too. So they mm-hmm. just look back through. I think that's only on the father's side though. Mm-hmm. 
We'll have to look that up again. Yeah, no, they back, remember they backtrack it. They start doing a backwards tree and connecting the dots. I think they That's can do that. That's genealogy. They do yeah. it backwards with the tree. Yeah. Then what the are we familial- talking about? What are they doing? Yeah, we're doing that. Yeah. Oh, genealogy. Oh, I thought you were. I thought yeah. we were still. I thought you no, were still on the familial no, I'm, thing. I'm, I'm getting confused again. I uh, okay, so that's what they did. They yes. They, so in 2019, they start the process. It's going to take three years. Oh, when we went off on a tangent about how many didn't get solved, you yeah. said something that that got me off track. And never mind. <laughs> no, I don't remember. Yeah, you did. No, it's not your fault. You just said you made a comment, I and I go, well, "Wait a minute, wasn't that something?" And I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Go ahead. Um. Okay, so it took them three years, and in August of 2022, they came up with the name Richard John Davis, who was 27 years old at the time in 1970, and he lived in the exact same apartment complex. In fact, he lived right around the corner, right where that parking lot was. So he's almost 80. He's No, he died. He died a long time ago. (laughs) He died in 97. Oh, okay, so... He and he lived right in the corner. Yeah, uh, that makes sense because as you started telling the story, mm-hmm. you know, because remember, we're like, it's got to be someone that they know mm-hmm. or knew that they left the door open. So, yeah. So do you remember I said the the trail of blood led yeah. to the parking lot? So their assumption was that the person got into a car and drove away. Yeah. It ended at the staircase that went to his apartment. Nice. So he didn't get Jeez. in the car to drive away. He literally just went back to his they apartment. Never, they never even considered that, it mm-hmm. seems like. Oh, my God. They talked to him, though. He was on the list. Like yeah, because 500 people that probably hit every single apartment. Right, and it, and his roommate. Because, you know, obviously, they have to go to the, the apartment complex and say, I need a list of every single person that lives in this apartment complex, and that's what they yeah. had. So they, they obviously go back to the list and like, oh. So Detective Link finds his roommate. And that's pretty much how she's able to verify because originally when they have the name, they're not given a middle name. They just have right. the first and last name. Mm-hmm. So that, that they're trying to narrow it down and figure out exactly who it was. And they want to corroborate that that's the same person yeah. okay. that was in the apartment complex. She finds the roommate. He tells her all the things, the his initials, his middle name. And he also leads them to Davis's daughter who was in her fifties at the time in 2022. Okay. She didn't want anyone to contact her. She didn't want to be a part of this, but she did say, here's my DNA. She sent it to law enforcement to help Mm -hmm. and say, yes, absolutely. I'll give you my DNA, but I don't, I don't want any of this. Yeah. She's in shock. Um, but yeah, he died from, and it it does come back as a match detective links and the Sacramento County Sheriff's office. Was he, was he single in that, Living in that apartment, or was his daughter yeah. there? When did he have a? Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. He could have. It doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. He. This could have happened before he got mar- married. He the DNA is still connect is connecting them. So right. yeah. Okay, so they're they're able to find the daughter. She's yeah. in her fifties. She gives them their DNA. She says I don't want comes, a part of this. She okay. doesn't want to be a part of it. She doesn't want anyone to contact her, but she does give over her DNA to help them. Mm-hmm. Close the case and it does come back as a match. Yeah. He Richard died from alcoholism or effects of in no- non in November of 1997. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it is unfortunate that they're not able to make an arrest and have, you know. Yeah. You know, this is but serve a punishment, but to, to close cases like this, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is nice for the for the fa- is there any family? So Linda. Linda and Tom are okay. the, the remaining family. Yeah. They said, Tom says, the reaction we had 
together brought up a lot of questions. Then to find out the murderer himself had died. Then we have mixed emotions. Could we have gone through a long trial or is it best that he's not around and we don't have to belabor the point? That's a quote from the union. That makes sense. Uh, That sounds like it would make sense, right? Obviously we don't know that kind of feeling, Mm -hmm. but that sounds like that would make sense. You know, Uh, you know, pretty, pretty smart comment, I think. Yeah. They Linda, I mean, Linda and Tom go on to talk about how amazing Detective Links in the Sacramento um, County Sheriff's Office was with, you know, Linda says they were always working on this. Yeah, I told us she was never forgotten at the always at the top of the list. I feel like it was good good police work. You know, I like to call that out. Right. You know. Yeah. um, But I feel like it's good. It was good. Police sounded like she retired and then came back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They had the the. Detective Lynx even says this in her interview on the show that I watched. Also, she talks about the really good police work that was like she says, good old fashioned detective work that was done back in the 70s with them following the trail and making sure to keep collect and keep all of that. Because, again, in the 70s, we're only at blood type. We're not even at like actual DNA profile, but they were able to save and collect all of that. Like, that's what makes me wonder at that, like. Do you now, when you're doing this job and you're collecting all of this stuff, do you think about what could potentially be evidence, even though it's not now because of the technology? No, we, that's that. Remember, we've talked about this, right? When that's you're, crazy. You got to collect everything, but you do have a baseline based on your training, right? And and what the current um, technology, what the current science is, at least in those days, they w- they were looking for blood type, right? So they collected the blood. But do you? But are they in that moment thinking like, one day we'll be able to tell more? No, you don't collect a piece of wood and say maybe we'll be able to get. I remember you said that to me before. You know, maybe we'll be able to get. um, Yeah. uh, Fingerprints off it. You know, well, that's probably a bad example, but yeah. No, you don't. um, But you don't know what is going to be evidence too, right? Right. If there's a piece of clothing, you grab it. You don't know what you're going to get off of it or what what it's going to reveal. That's true. You know. But that's got to be like a good feeling for the police if they're still alive from the 70s now Mm -hmm. for them to be like, we did good police work. Yeah. And the stuff that we collected that we were just using for blood typing. Now we got DNA from it. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting to think about. And then some things were collected. Right. So that's an example of what was collected and what has evolved. Right. Mm -hmm. Probably hair is the same way. They probably collected hair. To match fibers, but they you can also get DNA out of uh, of the hair follicle if it's if it's big enough, I guess. If it's good enough, yeah, you know, that's true. But you're typically collecting things that you know. It's just you know, I think it's interesting to think about prints, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. I just think it's interesting yeah. to think about how it all advances. Right. So, like for example, you you collect the ransom note or you collect a, a suicide note. Right. And then maybe down the road, like, you know, you know, the different things you could do with something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. writing exemplars, um, maybe fingerprints off the paper, uh, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, you're not thinking, hey, I wonder what the science will be in 30 years from now. Maybe I should collect this blade of grass next (laughs) to the body. Yeah. You know. That's getting close to what is it? Entomology? Is that what it is? No. No. What's the, the bugs? 
yeah, bugs. but there's a there's a job. There's I have a friend. Forensic who went to entomologist. For is that what it is? That's, a yeah, forensic bugs. entomologist. Okay, so yeah. I was right. Yeah, bugs. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. This, is, I mean, yeah. good. They had good stuff to talk about in terms of crime scene. There's a lot of and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you had me for a loop with the suspects. The dad sounded good. Mm-hmm. The fiance sounded good. And then it was just I'm like you were what? pretty spot on with how police were thinking though. Every th- when you at the beginning yeah. gave me your theory, that was basically what happened, and basically what their theory was mm-hmm. is that yeah, he was trying to sexually assault her, and she was just fighting back. She saw his face, and mm-hmm. so he had and the to thing that her. threw me off at first. I went back and forth to whether it was somebody that she knew or not was the 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 tape that allegedly was used around the fingertips. Yeah, so they still believe. I mean, obviously he's dead and he's been dead yeah. for a while, so we'll never really know. But that's the only logical thing that makes sense. He didn't have gloves. It was yeah. too late at night to go get gloves. Gloves weren't easily accessible to him in the seventies, so that's yeah. what he went with. Was but it was definitely yeah. calculated. Yeah, absolutely. at that point. Absolutely. So. so, all right, cool. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for listening this week. For more information and for all of my posts, anything that we talk about that I put up, follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast. And we're on Twitter at TC Archives Pod. And we'll talk to you next week. Later. Bye.